Welcome. Thanks for being part of our online experience today. If this is your first time, we want to give a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out and certainly hope it's not your last time. And you could do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know uh, who you are and if there's any questions that you might have that we could answer. And if you have a prayer request that we could pray with you, uh, we'd be delighted to do that. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are also grateful that you found time to be with us and, and would invite you also to use that digital connection card to let us know anything we can be praying for or if there's information you'd like to let us know here in the office. But we come together this morning to worship. I need to say thanks to Dan and Lynn Feldman and Katrina Walter who uh, gave leadership while I was away on vacation. And then also especially to our young uh, tech guy, uh, Lee Walter, who made all the things work here in the building. Just grateful that we were able to have some time away and and also to give uh, new voices to our congregation. Two weeks ago, you had the opportunity to hear Dave Ramsey. And it's interesting that that weekend, in terms of our online traffic, was one of the most popular weekends we've ever had here at Linden Road. With Pastor Sean from uh, Red Rocks Church in Colorado talking about how to deal with anxiety. Both were amazing. And I'm grateful for our partnership with Life Church that allows us to tap into such amazing talent. Grateful that we can share those with you. And as we come together here, I want to remind you that this next week is the uh, National Day of Volunteer Youth Ministry Training on Saturday morning, September 24th. And if you're here in the community and you're watching online, you're our guest. And if you can find time on Saturday morning from about 8.30 until 11.30, uh, we'll actually start right at 9 a.m. with the program. Extend my personal invitation for you to come and be part of a great morning of conversation with other area church leaders as we just talk about how do we be more relevant and better understanding of where our young people are at. So please check out this video. These are small gestures that let them know that being out of sight doesn't mean they're out of our mind. How can you ramp up engagement, not only for the formation of teenagers, but because our congregations need what teenagers have to offer? I think it's easy for this cultural message that we hear all the time of bigger is better to influence us as volunteer leaders who lose sight then that small can be significant. Friends, bigger isn't better. Better is better. Again, looking forward to it. Some really talented folks are going to share and it will be a fun morning, so I hope you can be part of that. I want to share also that I had the opportunity this week to share the Wednesday morning Bible study on Heartfelt Radio with our friends uh, Mark and Gabe on Mornings with Mark and Gabe. And it was a fun morning and would encourage you to check out the link here. Entitled it Hashtag Bible Exercises. We were looking at the books of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, but it was kind of fun as we began the conversation. Gabe and I both stretched as we were getting ready to lean in, and all of a sudden Mark thought we were going to do some uh, Bible exercises, literally, uh, some heavy lifting. Well, we did, in a certain sense, looking at these two great books and really what we can learn from them. And so there's a link here in the worship notes. I encourage you to check it out. We are now in the third week of our series called God Is. Just to remind you, because we took a little bit of a break there, uh, in week one, we talked about how God is merciful. And then week two, we talked about God is trustworthy. 
And both those are in our sermon archives, and there's a link to that here also. If you didn't get a chance to listen or watch those, you can click on the link and you can do that at your leisure. But as we lean into today's message, we're going to look at what I think is one of the more widely believed and yet probably is the most often doubted attributes of God. Uh, We know this very truly, right, that God is loving, and yet uh, even more specifically that God is a loving Father. But as soon as we put those two words together, loving Father, that can be a real disconnect for a lot of people. It can really create some tension that people have to struggle to work through. I can tell you as a pastor, uh, both as a youth pastor and even as the work I do in the community through uh, Advocates for Families, that many of the problems that I see people walking through can be tied directly to an unhealthy relationship that they had with their earthly father. And sometimes we call that uh, daddy issues or, or what others have called the father wound. And today we're going to talk about that. Today I want to begin with a key verse that's found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. That's in the back of the New Testament. The writer John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This verse is really interesting to me because it causes some issues to stand out. There are two different types of people here who will read this verse in two different ways. We've got those that are the shouters. They go, yes, that's who I am. I'm a child of God and God loves me. And then there's those that we'll call the doubters. Those that if God is really their loving father, they ask the deeper question, why would he ever want to love me? But I think the truth is that if we really want to be honest and be authentic, that there's times when even the shouters will become doubters. I think there's those who have a really strong faith can even doubt how much God loves them. So as we talk about a loving father, maybe for you growing up, you had a great dad. He showed up at every game. He spent time fishing with you, maybe playing silly games, maybe really helping to create some great memories. But maybe you don't have that. Maybe just thinking about your dad brings feelings of pain and hurt. But regardless of how you grew up, we need to acknowledge this simple fact. Our experiences with our earthly relationships can shape our view of our Heavenly Father. And when we think about that, the reality is that that can cause some real issues, that we can end up seeing God in the wrong way, and it can create what we would call daddy issues. So today, where I want to focus the message is I want to talk to any one of us who has ever questioned God's love. For any of us that have ever wondered, or maybe even you've doubted, if God loved you, and if you've desperately searched for approval, uh, for affirmation, for acceptance, or perhaps you just need to know that someone actually loves you, that's where we're going to go today. So the title of today's message is, Can God Love Me? Now, when I think about dads, and when I think about my own dad, he's a great dad. But like all dads, no one's perfect. Lots of great things have come to me through my dad. But I also have to say that my dad never let us down. Uh, he was incredibly generous with his time and his talents as he, he built our homes and as we uh, did summer vacations together and built a house at the lake. Uh, the things that I learned from him that it, uh, still uh, serve me well today, some very practical things about using a hammer and a drill and uh, just table saw, all those kinds of things, and to be reminded that you, uh, you measure twice and cut once, right? But the idea that our dads take care of us is really important. And what I want to look at today is a story we've looked at before 
but look at it from a little different perspective. I want to look at a time when Jesus interacts with a father. So let's jump over to Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she found no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Wow, this woman, thinking she could just sneak in, she's caught. And she's been found out. And it goes on to say here in verse 47, When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And then verse 48, Jesus says, Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Okay, so let's break this down. Here we have an earthly father, and there's a daughter that's dying. And he does what any good father would do, and he's going to do whatever it takes to save her, even going to Jesus. And then he gets Jesus, as he has the conversation, to agree to go with him, and together, they start walking along the way that Jesus is walking with him. But then all of a sudden, he stops. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that seems like you're taking your pregnant wife who's in labor to the hospital, and you decide to stop by a McDonald's for a Big Mac and some French fries, right? That's like crazy. I have to believe that Jairus was at least a little disappointed with Jesus for stopping, if maybe not even completely disillusioned with who Jesus is. I mean, one could make the conclusion that in that very moment, his view of Jesus changed altogether because of the stopping. Now, I think this is important because for us, I think we can sense that happening in our own lives, right? I mean, maybe it was your dad who called you a sissy when you cried, or, or maybe it was an absent father who worked all the time and you never got to know him. Or maybe it was your mom, or maybe it was a coach, or a teacher, or a friend, or or a parental figure, somebody that you knew well, that they said something to you, that they hurt you, and you became disappointed or disillusioned. I want us to take a look here about three ways that our earthly relationships can impact our view of our Heavenly Father. And I want us to see that there's a lie, and then I want us to see that there's a truth from God's Word that opposes that lie. And I see this all the time. All of these I see in my conversations with uh, particularly the men I see in the jail on a weekly basis. They have this view that their fathers are not there for them at all. And so the first lie is this, that God is judgmental, that he judges me by my mistakes. And what I want you to see, the truth from Scripture, is that God is compassionate. The writer in Psalms 103 verse 13 says to us, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Or there's this Second lie, that God is angry, that he's just waiting for me to mess up. And I hear that so many times from the men that I work with. But the reality and the thing that I share with them is this, that God is patient. And again, the scriptures in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 say, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
And then there's this third lie, that God is hateful, that there's no way he can love someone like me. And that the reality, the truth, that we need to stand against that is that God is full of love. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We see that in Romans chapter 5. So my hope for today is that through the reading of Scripture, that you will see and know God as the loving Father he is. So let's jump back to our story. We have two daughters, right? We have the 12-year-old who's sick, Jairus' daughter, who's dying, who has no control over her situation. She can't get up. She can't get to Jesus physically, but she has a dad who can. And then we have the woman who's been suffering for 12 years. And what do we know about her? Well, we know this much, that she was abandoned, that she was afflicted with this disease. And because of that, she was a cast out, that she went 12 years without experiencing basic human touch, something we all need. She was considered to be ceremonially unclean. And basically what that meant was she had no one to ask Jesus on her behalf. She was on her own. Yet both of them need healing. Otherwise, they're going to die. But the real truth here is that no matter who you are, there are times in our lives where people will say things to us, they'll do things that are going to hurt us. And again, it, it could be your dad, but it could be a coach or a coworker or a boss, someone that you had placed in a position of authority, maybe somebody who was a friend, and those wounds that they create will linger and require healing. And we have to say clearly that that kind of healing can only come through receiving the love of our Heavenly Father. Okay, so then what does that mean? How do we experience the love of the Father? Well, again, I want to lay out three ways here. First, he walks with us. We see that in this story. I mean, Jesus walked with Jairus as he headed to his house to heal his daughter. This should offer us some encouragement that no matter what our situation is, no matter what mountaintop we're trying to uh, look from or what valley we're walking through, is that Jesus walks with you. He says, yes, I'll go with you. And that's a very encouraging thing. In fact, Scripture says to us in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The reality is, and I see this every day, and I'm sure you do too, that there are many people who are walking alone. So I think this is true about our culture right now today that so many people are walking alone, that somebody gets some bad news, a family member gets sick, or a friend betrays them, or maybe, you know, maybe you get a promotion, but you have no one to share the joy with. Because to be honest, walking alone, it just plain sucks. But when Jesus walks with you, and that's the encouragement of this particular story, oh, that changes everything. I mean, there's just something special about walking with someone who loves you. And so if there's a takeaway from today, maybe a big idea, is that if you're going to walk with someone, you need to walk with someone who loves you. I also have to say that there's the possibility that you're going to walk with the wrong people. I see that all the time, especially with the young men that I work with in prison. just saw that recently here in just the last couple of weeks. A young man who I've known for a number of years He's bought the lie about himself, but I know his story is that he comes from a, a very difficult childhood, an alcoholic mother and a, an absent father, 
And I'm not surprised that he's pushing through the things he's pushing through. And unfortunately, even though he thought he was on the positive side. So I want you to think about him and others that need our prayers. And they need the healing touch uh, that Jesus can provide. And let's pray that those things will happen for them. So not only does he walk with us, but he also, he stops for us. I mean, think about that. Back to the story here. Jesus stops for the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, what's interesting about this, we go all the way back to Genesis, and we know that God works six days, and then he stops. Now, that whole understanding, we call it Sabbath. The word is Shabbat, which means to cease and to stop. Got several Jewish friends that they will post uh, on Friday evening, you know, happy Shabbat as they lean into a time of, uh, of rest you know, from their work through the week. Now, the truth is, from creation all the way to today, we need to embrace this simple truth that God stops for you. Let me say it this way. If you feel like you're unlovable, God stops for you. If you feel like you're not worthy, God stops for you. If you feel like you've failed beyond forgiveness, he stops for you. If you feel like you're not seen, he stops for you. If you feel like you're unknown or you're overlooked, he stops for you. And if you feel like no one listens to you, the truth is that Jesus stops for you. And simply put, if you reach out for him, he will stop for you. I want to say that even this morning, where we find ourselves right now, that he's stopping for you right here to encourage you through this message right now. And so these simple ideas, he walks with us, he stops for us. And this third point this morning is he talks to us. And the truth is, as we look at scripture from Genesis to Revelation, there's literally thousands of times in the Bible that God speaks to man. And in this story that we've looked at today, he talks to the woman. Now take a look at this progression here, because what happens to her? She goes from being one that's cast out uh, to becoming part of the crowd to the word Jesus says to her daughter. Now, that's an important uh, statement there because it's the only time in Scripture that Jesus calls someone daughter. And that's so important for her. And it, what it underscores is this idea, and it's such a beautiful way of talking about it, is that it's the lavish love of your father that labels you as a child. So again, he walks with us, he stops for us, he talks to us. Now, let's go back and look at the part of the story that we've not finished yet about what happens to the little girl who was dying, Jairus' daughter. And this is important that we look at this because many times we think that when Jesus is loving those around us that he's forgotten about us. And I'm sure that's what Jairus is experiencing in that moment. But we need to see that God's love is so much bigger and so, yes, the 12-year-old, according to the story here, she dies. This daughter dies. But just when all the hope is gone, Jesus speaks to this little girl as well. Here in verse 54, it says, But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Wow. <laughs> That's such an amazing story, right? That's, those are such amazing words. Because I think for each of us that our situation may appear sort of dead, or it might be dead, dead on arrival. It may seem hopeless. It may seem maybe a relationship or 
maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's your finances or maybe even you feel like Jesus has stopped working on your situation and he's looking at everybody else's but yours. So here's what I need to say to you as clearly as I can. Your heavenly father can handle it all, that his love is big enough. And again, I see this as I work with the men in the jail, uh, the, the hope that they need. And sometimes the issues really is more about our systems and, and the things we need to change there. So what we see here, and it's true for all of us, is we see a woman and we see a little girl, and both of them needed the love of a father. And the truth is, for both of them, whether it was 12-year-old or the woman who had been in with the blood issue for 12 years, they had lived through some pretty uh, amazing trauma, some amazing struggles, and I'm sure a lot of pain. And yet, yet they made a choice to receive and believe that this, that God is a loving Father. So I want to say it again, that he walks with you, that he stops for you, and that he talks to you. Again, we started with that verse from 1 John, right? See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And that's a truth that you need to embrace. As I close, I want to reach out to two different groups of people. First, those who are questioning the love of your Heavenly Father. You follow Jesus, but it seems like his love is far away. Well, what I need you to do is to simply do this. Stop and think. Remember. Remember what it is that God has done for you, that he's walked with you, that he has stopped for you, that he didn't leave you in your mess, and that he talks to you. Now, he does it with a still, small voice. We know that, right? He doesn't necessarily scream it from the heavens. And so we have to quiet our own selves. We have to find moments in the day where we can hear that voice so that he can say to us, I love you, you're mine, you're my beloved son, you're my beloved daughter. And to another group of people who may be watching today, maybe you'd like to sense his love in a deeper way. You're not in a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And maybe you've asked that question, how could a good God love someone like me? So let's just take a moment and in an attitude of prayer. And as you think about this, if you're here, if you're watching today and you recognize that there's been times in your life where you've doubted the love of your father, and maybe you've, you're here and you just need to know that God loves you, maybe you need to experience God's love in a deeper way, well, I want to pray for you right now. And so, so Heavenly Father, I pray for each person here that needs to experience your love, to experience the love of the Father. Lord, would you overwhelm them with your love? Would you remind them, God, that there's nothing they can do to separate us from your love? That there's nothing that they can do to make you love us less or to make you love us more? That you love us just as we are. And if you're here and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, I invite you to do that. And if you're honest, you might say, I don't know that God could love me, that you've sinned a lot, that you've made a lot of mistakes. And that may be true because we know the scriptures tell us that we all sin, we all fall short of God's standard. And yet God wants you to know that he loves you and that he loved you so much that he sent Jesus for you and he died on a cross. So if that's you, you can simply say, Jesus, I'm ready to turn away from my sins. I'm ready to give you my life. And if that's you, simply pray with me. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I surrender my heart. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you and serve you every day of my life. 
Today I receive the Father's love. Together in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the week ahead, I have a couple things for you to ponder. Have you ever struggled to believe that God is a loving Father? Why do you think that is? And how do you move that view? In what ways are you still working to see God as loving? And so again, here, read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. What does it look like to live as a child of God? What's different in your life because of this truth? And then when we receive God's love, we're able to extend his love to others. Think about the ways that you've accepted God's love and the ways you've seen his love impact those around you. And then the question is, how could you show his love to others more regularly? Again, thanks for being with us this week. So glad you found us. If there's anything we can do to be helpful, please click on the digital connection card and let us know. And in all these things, be reminded once again that you've been blessed to be a blessing. Go forth and serve the world in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great week.